What is going on, beautiful, marvelous, fantastic podcast family? I hope that wherever you are in this planet, that you're doing fantastic, and I am sending you all of my love, good vibes, well wishes, good karma, whatever I can your way. Uh, I hope that you're doing well. We've got an amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Ben Askren on, and we are talking about the mindset of a champion, resilience, and performance. Ben is a two-time organizational MMA fighter. He fought in the UFC. He was going for a title. The guy is an absolute uh, incredible incredible athlete and incredible performer um i have competed in wrestling and in martial arts and uh, know what it takes to wrestle at the highest levels that he has so he's a truly extraordinary athlete and we dive into a lot of really important and relevant topics for what's going on in our world today so we talk about bang going to the olympic uh olympics winning two mma championships overcoming fear and actually starting uh, the importance and power of empathy and work work ethic, focusing on things that matter, why it takes practice, finding the zone, dealing with failure and adversity. He talks about the Stockdale Paradox. We go into his new course um, where he teaches performance and mindset. So this is an amazing episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you do, please share it everywhere you can, all over the internet, Facebook. As I've told you, I got banned from Facebook. So share on Facebook, share on Instagram, share on Twitter, share everywhere you can. It helps to get the word out and I really appreciate it. Um, if you want to support the show, you can also become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Uh, toss anything in the bucket. It really helps, especially with this whole censorship, blacklisted, uh, all this crap that I'm dealing with. Um, and I also want to do a special thank you. Thank you, George, for reaching out. He just made a really cool clip um, of a highlight clip of a past episode. I want to thank Anthony, who's who's reached out and helping me with the audio and editing and, and helping me make the uh, improve the sound quality of the show. Sandra Kano, who is amazing and helping me do some graphic stuff. And Lewis. Lewis is always helping how he can. And so uh, these people have been really helping me for a while and just chipping in where they can. And, and I really appreciate it because uh, the show takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, and, uh, you know, help is appreciated because uh, I'm still doing the show and I uh, want to bring you the best guests and the most amazing content. And when you're getting censored and all that kind of stuff, it's a little bit disheartening. Um, so go to go to go to Linktree forward slash Matt Belair. There's a little dot in there there um, Linktree um, and there's a dot between the R and the E. You're gonna find my Telegram, my Discord. I'm gonna have to pivot because of all the censorship. And so would love for you to sign up for the email list, sign up for the academy. You're gonna get exclusive content from guests, brainwave entrainment, really cool stuff, really good training from guests and whole courses in there. So check out the academy. Would love to have you as a member. And for those of you guys who want to go a step further and you want to learn a master system for overcoming self-sabotage, strengthening your connection with spirit and designing and living the life of your dreams, you can check out the absolutely amazing Soul Compass course or apply for one-on-one training with me. I'm working with amazing people on everything from designing and living our life purpose from having just a regular job that is just no longer inspiring to also people who are literally um, architecting global visions and global change at the highest level. And so wherever you are, I would love to support you and your vision and be on your team and share uh, all of my knowledge, resources, skills, and tools and network to ensure that you succeed. So if that is something you're interested in, hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And so that's it. Um, 
Remember, the best way to support the show is to do one kind act in the world wherever you are. And uh, let's just get into this episode. So uh, first, let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And now just let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, courage, inspiration, and ready to take on this amazing episode with Ben Askren. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a two-time NCAA Division I wrestling champion. He's represented the United States at the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. He's been an MMA champion in two organizations and competed in the UFC. Through it all, he's gained valuable insights on conquering the fear of failure, digging into your hidden willpower, and rising into your maximum level of performance. Welcome to the show, Ben Askren. Yeah, how you guys doing? What's up, man? It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Absolutely. One of my favorite topics in the world is sports psych, so it's, it's going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, man. Well, you're telling me before we started the show that you just released a program. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a huge MMA fan. I've been doing martial arts my whole life, so I'm familiar with who you are and what you've accomplished, which I think is absolutely incredible. But for those who might be new to who you are and what you do, why don't you give us a, a little background on yourself? Yeah, so I, I wrestled my whole life. I mean, I, I guess when I started, I played all the sports, you know, little kids do a little bit of everything. Um, as I grew up, I just kind of found myself wanting to wrestle more and more. I like the individuality, I like the self-reliance. I like that I determined my fate. Um, and by the time I was about 14, I decided to do nothing but wrestle. So from that point, you know, obviously started getting a lot, lot better. Uh, ended up getting a scholarship to the University of Missouri. I won a couple of national titles there. I won the Hodge Trophy twice for the best college wrestler. Uh, I continued wrestling. I went to the Olympics in 2008, and then I made my transition to mixed martial arts, and I, I spent almost a decade there where I was undefeated for like nine years and then retired, unretired, came back, and then uh, 2019 wasn't as successful. I went one and two, um, and I retired again. And then I actually just recently on September 1st had a, is it called a hip resurfacing, Birmingham hip procedure, because I had some some hip issues from all, all the athletics. So yeah, doing a lot of the things in my life. I have some wrestling academies, also some podcasts. So I, I stay pretty busy. Yeah, man. You're even telling me, yeah, uh, you have a, you have a podcast and you're in the crypto space and you're doing all kinds of stuff. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously wrestling was my, my first podcast. You know, I, I think you said you started your podcast way back when, just cause you were interested in it. And it was kind of the same for me. It was, uh, I was on the phone with kind of, a. Uh, he was an acquaintance at the time and has become a friend, um, both high-level wrestlers. And, you know, I think he said, I, I want to start a podcast. And, well, you know what? I want to start a podcast. It's like, hey, how about we just, like, call each other once a week and just do a podcast? And, okay, let's do that, you know? So then um, him and I did did it for about 100 episodes or so, and then he got too busy with his job where he just wasn't able to commit. So um, I ended up finding another one and did that one for a while. Uh, about 120 episodes, and then I moved on to uh, Flow Wrestling Radio Live. So I'm there Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays with them. I got my crypto show on Mondays with uh, my buddy named John Kim, and then I do an MMA podcast once in a while on a platform called Rockfin, uh, roughly once a week. But the cards are boring. We just say, eh, we don't really want to cover it. 
Holy crap, man. Well, you know, yeah. I used to think that I, I did a lot of content, but hearing yeah. that, it's pretty impressive. You know, one of the things that you've done is you've made it to the Olympics in wrestling. And if you've competed in wrestling before, you know how gruesome it is. And I think that's one of the things um, it teaches you is work ethic. So why don't we just kind of start with that, man? Like, what has martial arts taught you in life? And how do you think that can transition into the everyday person, especially, you know, with your course out there, overcoming the fear of failure? It's something that I get asked a lot and a lot of people who have so much ability, they don't even take the first step because they're so afraid of what other people might think. They're afraid of failure, whatever the case may be. Um, But I think that you have some great insights on all of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so with, with, uh, with that specific topic, and I I think we could go a few different directions, but with that really specific one, I think about this, I I wrestled my whole life and I'm, you know, I won NCAA titles, made the Olympics. I didn't get to the pinnacle, which would be an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, I fought for a decade. I, you know, I won a belt of world title. I won a one championship world title. Uh, I made the UFC. I was, you know, essentially in a, in a title eliminator where if I won, I would go for the world title. And, you know, I came up a little bit short. And so both those ventures, I came up a little short. And yet you still see I made it really far, but people will call you a failure. You know, I mean, so it's like whenever someone's going to start something, there's no way you're going to make it to the top without having some failure there. And even if you do make it really far, people will still try to find something to pick at you for. So the, the notion that you, you might fail at something is going to keep you from starting something is just, in my mind, I, I know it does prevent people from doing so. In my mind, it's totally insane uh, because no matter how far you get, people are going to call you a failure. And so it's like, well, just whatever, just freaking go for it. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, if you take it all the way to the Olympics, take it to the Olympics, if um, maybe you just do it for a little while and you decide you don't like it, then, you know, at least you went and tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And well, if you know your personality at all, I've seen some of your interviews and I think I became aware of who you were because you were calling out GSP or something. And I was a GSP yeah. fan. I was like, what the heck is uh, this is. guy talking crap about GSP? You know, he's the Canadian favorite. So, um, that's how you came on the radar. But as I kind of watched how you would do interviews and, and how humble you were like in winning and defeat and how you kind of promo the show a little bit. Um, you have like thick skin and I loved how you would just yeah. give Dana White a hard time. I thought that was hilarious. And um, you know, how, what would you recommend for people who are just struggling with what other people think? It's such a common thing. Yeah. Like even, Absolutely. even now for me, I think that I struggle with that because some of the avenues I talk about on the podcast are not what, what you'd say politically correct. I find some information that's really frigged up and I just try to share that. But some people yeah. just throw so much hate at you and you're like, wow, that's, that's hard to handle. But yeah. Um, do you have any uh, suggestions for things like that? Yeah, well, especially t- in today's age, if you, you're choosing something political, it's going to be very divisive. <laughs> um, well, you know what? I think so. I, you know, I don't know how old you are, but when I was in high school, my sophomore year, it was like the advent of forums, right? I mean, there was no social media. Do you remember forums? I remember forums. Yeah, I'm 36. Okay, I'm 36. So it was roughly okay, cool, right now. So it was like, I was a sophomore in high school and there was these things called forums that were happening, you know? So right, so a long time ago, for sisters are younger, uh, when, the, when the internet was getting started, uh, you know, you would go to, there was no social media, so you would go to a forum for whatever you were interested in, right? So like, there might be a national wrestling forum. And in this case, there was a Wisconsin wrestling forum. Well, I go, I go on there and sorry, so I was at a tournament and someone says, hey, everyone's talking about you on this forum. And I was starting to get good within the state of Wisconsin. And I go on there and everyone's saying how these two guys are going to kick my ass the next week of the tournament. And I'm a kid. I'm 15. And I'm like, whatever. That's bull crap. 
And, you know, so I get in there, start typing, this is bullshit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill those guys, whatever, 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 you know? And the amount of blowback I got from it was like, holy moly, people are like really legit mad that I went and said something. <laughs> but, but in my, my mind, it was like, well, they're adults and they started it. I'm 15, <laughs> whatever, you know? So then literally my last two years of high school was like, I would just try to antagonize these people to see what kind of rise I could get out of them. And so I got to realize from a really young age that, that human nature is kind of cruel. People like picking on people that are out there. Um, and, he, and they even, in this case, if that's a bunch of adults picking on a 15 and 16 year old kid, that was the case. And so I think I learned from a really young age that it's like, eh, whatever. People can say whatever they want. You know, I have my core group of people and obviously my core group has kind of probably changed and grown and evolved. You know, like I have my wife now, she, she wasn't with me when I was 16. And that I, I trust their opinion. I trust their opinion. If I need feedback, I'll go to them. Um, I do not go to my Twitter comments or my Instagram comments for feedback. That is, uh, that's about the worst place you can go for feedback because that, that you're going to get some shit ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And one of the things that I like that you do, I assume that the Askren Academy, you're coaching some high school wrestlers and mm -hmm. some younger wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, doing the work like that, I, I volunteered teaching boxing for a while and been involved in martial arts quite a bit. I think that the value through martial arts uh, for a kid is, is incredible. You know, they yeah. can take all those skills to anywhere in their life. And, you know, I switched up my background today for this one because it's usually something else. But I think for me, I resonate a little bit with what Bruce Lee said. He's like, martial arts taught me everything about life, how I did, yeah. how I did anything. And so when you're teaching the kids um, or, or young people, what do you teach them about resilience, uh, perseverance, and just overcoming adversity? Because to become a champion or a high-level performer at anything, like to compete at the highest level, you need so many different things. And one of them is yeah. perseverance and work ethic and drive and mental toughness. And so um, when you're teaching them, like, do you, do you have tools in mind? Or you just kind of um, get questions from the kids and, and answer as they come along? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll talk to mental stuff with them. I, I try to do a mental Monday every single week with them. Um, but, you know, a lot of it, I think, actually comes best when in tournaments, right? When there's wins and losses. Kids are usually most open to hearing advice when, when there's something painful or emotional that just happened. Um, when everything's going great, they don't want to hear it. Everything's great. And so you got to kind of wait for the opportune times to say, you know, hey, Johnny, you're just a little too stubborn. Listen, you lost that match. I tried to do this last week. And, and you just won't listen, you don't want to change this, this is why, or, you know, hey, you know, Billy, I've been trying to get you tougher, and you lost that match because you, you lack the toughness to fight through that one situation. And so for me, I, you know, I guess I, sports psych goes way far back. I tried writing a sports psychology book on wrestling in 2006-07 with the PhD that I was working with. Uh, it wasn't very good, so we, <laughs> we never published it, but I've been kind of, I don't know, kind of obsessed and you know, what, I, what I've kind of realized since then is that I think the sports psych of wrestling, first I said, okay, well, this is really similar to sports psych of combat sports, whether it's boxing or mixed martial arts. And then, you know, I started to do business. I thought, well, this is, <laughs> this is really similar to the psychology of business too. I mean, right? I mean, and so what I started realizing is a lot of these things have so many similarities. Psychology is psychology. And there might be slightly different applications um, you know, whether you're in wrestling or business or a relationship, there might be different applications, but the psychology is like psychology, um, you know, work ethic is going to help you in pretty much everything. Empathy is going to help you in pretty much everything, right? So when you have these skills, you can kind of cross them across the board. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think wrestling, you kind of like you said, wrestling, martial arts, I think individual sports, uh, kind of excessively help this category because there's no one to blame it on. Right. And, and that was kind of what I loved about wrestling for it, It's just you, like, if you lose, it's your fault. That's, that's it. You know, there's no, Oh, that guy didn't throw me the ball or that guy did year in Canada. Right. That guy didn't hit me the puck. There's not, there's, you know, there's none of that. It's just, it's like, it's me and a Tim. We're going to shake hands and we'll f- figure out who the best guy is. And when I lose, if I lose, I'm going to say, okay, what, what did I do wrong and how can I get better? That's, you know, that's kind of what drew me to wrestling. And so, yeah, obviously we try to pass those lessons to all the kids. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And for, you know, my background mostly would be in extreme sports. And so if you're trying to learn a new trick or progress a little bit further, there's always uh, a danger zone. And so even though you might have landed your first backflip and it'd be terrifying, or I can't imagine what it would be like. What sport specifically? Uh, skateboarding and snowboarding. I got the okay, best cool. at snowboarding. Um, okay. But when I was younger, I was good at skateboarding. So, nice. um, and even some of my athletes are, uh, you know, motocross riders. So mm. that's the, the pinnacle of danger, you know, flying hundred feet. In Is the that the worst? Or I was, I would think kind of, you know, we talked about the rise of Superman, which I loved. Oh, yeah. I would think for me, uh, the two things, the one would be the, the, the surfing on the big waves. Holy shit. I would be so scared. Yeah, and then number two would be the uh, the little wingsuits they do off the mountain. Like the those wings. people, they got issues. Yeah, the wingsuit, especially they do proximity flying to make it worse. They don't need to do that, but they do it, and it ends up being way more dangerous. There's actually this uh, skier named uh, Shane McConkey who's now okay. uh, you know rest in peace. But that guy was like the the founder of that. He would take his skis and then he would have go base jumping off the edge of these crazy cliffs and just do triple oh backflips, chuck off so his skis, well. then wingsuit. Like the guy was gnarly. That's an uh, an amazing document. Actually, in the Rise of Superman, True. he talks about him. He's he's incredibly gnarly. The, so, the McConkey guy. Yeah, Shane McConkey. Yeah, one of the nice. gnarliest people ever. And so, you know, if he's going to go do something like that, or some people could argue stepping into a cage where somebody wants to literally hit you as hard as that they can. That seems simple to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what was, the, what was the preparation or walkout for you? Did you have nerves or like, did you, did you psych yourself up in any way or what was that like for you? Uh, well, so actually not really. Kind of, kind of the opposite, actually. Um, and this goes all the way back to... Uh, my freshman year of high school, I, I, I was starting to get better at wrestling. I was starting to improve it. I went to this national, the big, the biggest national tournament they have in the United States um, for that specific age group. And I, uh, man, I crapped the bed. I, I did really terrible. I, um, um, you know, I just, I just didn't perform up to my par, and it was like, why? And this coach sat me down and, and part of my thing was I was obsessing about all these things that didn't matter. Right. I was obsessing about the college coaches who might be watching me or who I might face in a couple more rounds or all, all this other stuff. And so, you know, I, I was able to learn a very valuable lesson very early on is that the only thing that you really need to think about are the things that actually matter. And, you know, and very, very literally. So, you know, if you're, if you're skateboarding, like, well, how am I going to hit this next trick? That's the only thing that matters. It's not like, Who's watching me? What happens if I do land this trick? Will the score be enough? Like all that thing is really just going to be a distraction from your performance. And so when I learned that as a 14 year old, uh, or maybe I was 15, somewhere around there, uh, I was able to kind of really start applying it through my wrestling. I got really good at it. 
to the point where, you know, I, I was able to just find maximum relaxation before I performed. And that was mm-hmm. how I performed the best. And obviously when you, you know, once you finally step in the cage or you shake hands with the rest of the yeah, it's time to click in and focus, you know, okay, what do I need to do? I need to get my hands on him. Okay. I need to take him down. Okay. I need to punch him in his face. Right. Or, you know, whatever, <laughs> the very, yeah, the very specific actions, but it's like, Oh, the crowd's cheering. Well, that, that's not important. That's a distraction. Oh, people are watching on TV. Not important. That's a distraction. Oh, if I win, I'm going to get this. Not important. It's a distraction. And so I was able to, you know, learn that at a young age. And it was something I think I, I really put into practice as I was, you know, getting older and progressing in the sport. And then obviously as I course of mentioned, so it's something I really, really focused on and it helped me a lot. Okay. Well, I hear you. So I agree with that. Um, philosophically but how would you uh assist somebody if they were walking out to the cage and they were polar opposite like they got stuck in anxiety or like a high school kid right yeah. he, he's worried about losing and then he you know loses a girlfriend or like a lot of people if they're loses girlfriend that doesn't flip matter forget yeah, about yeah. it yeah. <laughs> you know so or like a small business or something like yeah. that so many people just won't start because they imagine that end result so how do you kind of get them to just you know get out of that fear and anxiety of what could be and just actually take that step towards yeah. what they want uh it's just so like any, it's, this is like anything it takes practice and this is actually one of the main reasons i say mixed martial artists um wrestlers have the biggest advantage because we compete so frequently i mean right by the time i'm done wrestling i've probably wrestled i don't know 1500 matches 2000 matches and so literally like that not not only the skill of wrestling but the skill of competition how, how do I compete well? How do I get my mind ready to optimize my performance? And I get to practice that over and over and over. So, you know, if someone's walking in the cage and they're having that anxiety, man, they probably should have practiced that before, right? They should have practiced that before. It, it, I don't want to say it's too late, but uh, we're going to have a hard time at that point. And so just like anything, you need to practice. And so, um, you know, when, when you see a flaw, like for me, right, that happened when I was 14. Hey, I had two real – at this tournament, I had two really terrible performances – why did this happen? And luckily I had a coach who was able to identify why that happened. And he was able to also not only identify it, but give me a, you know, something that he thought would be a good solution. So it just so happened to, it worked. And so then, you know, I get, you know, I'm essentially not competing at the pinnacle of the sport for another, right. Seven, seven years, you know, I'm a, saw, I was a freshman in high school. So it's like, I don't compete in an NCAA final for, I guess, another six years till I'm in an NCAA final where I'm at the pinnacle of the sport of folk style wrestling. And so I get to practice this, all these matches, I'm just practicing my mindset. And, um, you know, I always tell people to kind of do it best and worst. So where you can probably, even you probably, you haven't skateboarded or snowboarded a while. You probably think the best performance you ever had, right? You probably think that, and then you can think, well, what was the worst performance you ever had? And you probably think of that. It's like, okay. And so ideally, you know, you're identifying those closer and what did I do? How did I warm up? What was I thinking? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When I had my best one and what was I, what was I doing when I had my worst one? Oh, when I had my worst one, I was, I was thinking about when my girlfriend broke up with me and that was, I was obsessed with that. I didn't think about what I was doing. That was why I messed up. Okay, good. We need to get rid of that. Right. And so start focusing on the things that you're doing when you're performing the best. Simple. I love it. One yeah. of the strategies that I, um, I would tell the uh, snowboarders is call it like a mental trick bag. So yeah. you try to learn a 360 or something and you try over and over and over and over again. And then eventually you get it and yes. it's awkward, but you get it. And I say, remember that and remember the feeling of it. Then go back up. And every time you do it, just, just take a moment to breathe it in, to feel what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So now you're logging it in. And so 
I, a backflip's a bit of a better example because as you progress to the next level and there's always a next level and it's going to be yeah. harder. You know, if you're in business, you're going to get to a next level of responsibilities and scaling your business. If it's in sport, you're going to get a next level of competition where you need to be yeah. sharper and practice your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the backflip example, if I've remembered all those times where I was successful and I scaled up and now I'm looking at a jump that's 70 feet and I'm going to be going real fast at it or in your case you know you know one of the best uh, wrestlers or the best mma athletes in the world um you know you can remember all those times you were successful what you did and prime yourself for performing your absolute best because that's all you can control and i guess i wonder if you could talk about that and it's like you know going into a competition or or an endeavor and knowing what you can control and kind of surrendering what you can't yeah no i I think i think you nailed it i think that's what we were just discussing is that um yeah you know there's a lot of things you can't control and that you can't think about you know like you know what what what's gonna happen with this certain outcome or you know will my dad yell at me if i lose or will my girlfriend dump me if i if i don't perform well here again you know you can't control those things you can't control those things and they don't matter in the moment and so the the best best people the people who compete the best are able to really stay in the moment that's actually kind of you know we go back to the rise of superman that was one of the things I kind of loved about, not that I really ever want to do any extreme sports and, you know, maybe you consider mixed martial arts extreme sport, but it's like the finding the zone, right? That's It's kind of like almost like a drug, like an addictive drug. And like, for me, I'll tell you, I love to compete. And it's like, I don't really ever foresee myself fighting another fight. Um, but if I could say every single day, I could just wake up and I could walk out in front of 20,000 people like I was getting ready to perform. It's like, and get in that zone of, okay, I, it, now it's time to compete. Like, that's freaking awesome. Uh, and I love it. And so, but obviously, extreme sports, you, like you said, once you get good at it, it's too easy and they need to keep taking the next step up and the next step up and the next step up. And then it becomes more and more and more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, um, you know, that's one of the things I love. It's a bit of a sidetrack, but what I love about, um, martial arts is the competition. You know, I was always about like, just what was I capable of? What were humans capable of? And when I did my travel, I went to Paquette top team and trained MMA because I wanted oh, nice. to be a better, better fighter. Uh, but then I went to China and I trained with Shaolin monks because I wanted to know the limits of human potential. And some of these monks could break stone with two fingers. Come on, for real? For, Are you sure it wasn't fake? That's what I checked. I interviewed the guy. I interviewed him. I checked it out. You know what I mean? And I looked at their you, Did you try to hit the stone first or something? Yes, I, right, because you can trick, right? You can make it a trick. And I interviewed yes. him and I asked him, what is the trick? And uh, I asked him three times and there was a, there was a um, translator there because he couldn't speak English. And he said years. And he started slamming his fingers down on the table. And outside the academy, there were dent holes from them poking the tree doing hard qigong. So there is a possibility that- Why, they do, they, why do they poke stuff? For hard qigong to condition their body, just like Muay Thai kicking hard stuff. So they would, so there are dent holes in the trees and I watched their training and it was so intense. And, they, and I asked him, I said, is this possible for every, anyone? He goes, yeah, but most people are going to give up just before they get there. So they would spend mm-hmm. years doing hard qigong um, and also years doing, you know, meditation and inner work. Um, and, and, you know, it's because you're a martial artist, you're aware of this. There's some tomfoolery out there, right? Some magic. Of course. Yes. People will say, hey, I can do this. But you're like, no, no, let me see that. Let me make, you know, let me grab the one you're going to break first and hit it. Um, But I think from what I could see, they were legit. And so, you know, one of the things I love about martial arts was testing myself 
with someone else and it always makes me better. So if I were in your neighborhood, I'd be like, I want to wrestle Ben because he's going <laughs> to kick my ass, but yeah. it'll make me better, you know, and I can do whatever yeah. I want and it's not going to work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? But the, the, how fast I'll get better is, uh, you know, astronomical versus me just beating up somebody who, um, you know, can't do it. So I want to ask you a little bit about the course you just released, because I think the Mm -hmm. outline is great, but also as a side note, from a competition perspective, is there anybody that you would have loved to fight or for like a dream, dream list dead or alive that you would love to just test yourself in competition? Uh, yeah, I think the three are three obvious Matt Hughes, George St. Pierre and Khabib. I mean, so Matt Hughes and, um, Matt Hughes and, and, George were the, the welterweight champions, essentially. You know, I feel like I kind of hit my pinnacle, or not, not my pinnacle. I started really hitting my stride in, like, 2012 in fighting. I started in 2009, um, and I won the Bellator belt in 2010. But I think, like, 2012 was when I really started, like, getting good at fighting. You know, it takes a while. And then, so from that time period, you know, Matt Hughes and then George. And then, um, so the other guy I was the champion for a while was uh, Robbie, who I fought, and Tyron Woodley, who uh, was a good buddy of mine. Um, so I, I don't want to fight him. So th- those other three are the ones I would really like to challenge. And you know, obviously, I didn't get my opportunity until a little bit later in life. Um, you know, when when I retired at the end of 2018 and then fought in 2019. Um, but those are the guys I kind of always looked at and said I would love to have my opportunity with them. And well, unfortunately, I never did get that. Yeah, man. Well, I would love to see those fights because the, when I started to pay attention to you more and like how you'd won your previous fights, there was this like. I don't know how to describe it, but there's like this grittiness, this determination mm-hmm. that's so hard to handle, you know, and, and they call it um, like, even in, in Muay Thai, when you're out there, they're like, you'll have to kill me to get me out of the ring because of their preparation. You know, they call it the spirit of martial arts. The yeah. way that they'll train is so intense. Like I remember one of the champions kicking me and it felt like a baseball bat, but they're how intensely they train. They're like, they're not going to go out easily, you know? And I kind of saw that, you know, maybe it was from wrestling or whatever, but you know, you had like a very uh, strong will. It was an interesting thing to watch because you would see some fighters and you know, there's a point that they're going to wilt. Yes. You know what I mean? And so if you can Mm -hmm. get to the point where, you know, those fighters aren't going to wilt, it makes it interesting because how far do they go, you know? And you were definitely one of those. Yeah. I mean, well, that's kind of, and that's kind of what we, I don't want to say is bred into us because that's not the right word, but that's what, uh, taught to us as wrestlers. I mean, the, the practice room battles are always worse than the matches. I mean, I spent years and years and years, you know, scrapping with the best guys in the country. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that was kind of in, re- in wrestling, actually, I was able to use that really for, for a huge advantage to kind of will people as the match went on in MMA. It's a little bit tougher. Uh, and I don't want to get too technical cause I don't, you know, this is a MMA specific podcast, but there are some technical reasons why I don't think it's quite as easy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that, uh, kind of like a dog on a bone. Yeah, man. Well, let's get in a little bit, uh, about your Askren mindset that you just, yeah. uh, produced and, and made, uh, you kind of have six, six key sections that you go through. Um, do you want to share those a little bit and like what the overview is and what you're trying to educate people on? Yeah. So I, uh, you know what I said, I was very into sports psych. I, Kind of tried to write a book. That was 2006 and seven. That was my senior year of college. And it just wasn't good enough. So we, ne- we never published it, right? Because it wasn't good enough. And I always thought, okay, when I get older and I have a little more time, then I'm going to do a book. <laughs> and, it, you know, it just so happens I kind of suck at writing. I'm not very good at it. And so, you know, 
someone kind of put, so when coronavirus started, someone said, well, you should, you know, you should do a course, right? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I do all these podcasts. So getting on, you know, getting behind a microphone, well, that's not, right? I could, I could do that. That's not such a big deal. Like, that's, for me, that's way easier than writing. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, what do I, you know, what do I do a course on? Because when you think about mindset, there's like a billion components that make someone really tick. I mean, when you want to really get into it, it's just, you could go so deep. And so we kind of, you know, shuffled through a whole bunch of topics. Um, this was one that came up and something I think I'm particularly adept at, you know, I had the, obviously the big embarrassing loss in front of everybody in 2019 in MMA, but I, uh, you know, one of the things that I think I dealt with stuff so well is cause I was never that good at wrestling when I was younger. I wanted to be good and I eventually got good, but I wasn't very good. So I had to spend a lot of time dealing with failure and adversity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we kind of came upon the idea of doing this course, I loved it because it was just something I feel very comfortable talking about. Because like you said, um, you know, I had, I've had a lot of success, although I've not reached the pinnacle in either sport. Um, I came relatively close and yet people still try to call me a failure. And so I feel like I'm kind of able to relate really well. Um, yes, yeah, so we broke it down, made the outline, man, it was a lot more work than I kind of envisioned it would be in the first place. But then when I got it done, I was like, wow, that was, it was really good. I really like what I did. Um, you know, I think it can be very valuable to uh, a lot of people. Awesome, man. Well, there's some great things in here. We've talked a little bit about fear, of, fear of failure. Um, yeah. But what about the Stockdale paradox? Never heard about that before. Is that your own never? Oh, that actually, it's that so important. Thing? It was okay. So I stole it. Didn't, <laughs> didn't make it up. Um, it's named after I, I don't remember if he's a lieutenant or general. It's a military officer. Um, and it was from the book Good to Great. I don't know if you've read that book. Um, yeah. Okay, business, really good business book. Um, and so the Stockdale Paradox, uh, you know, essentially says uh, you can do two things at once. You can acknowledge where you're at without ever giving hope of where you're going to go. And I think this is important because a lot, a lot of people struggle with this concept because they, they lean one of two ways, right? They want to be this overall optimist that I can get there. But generally when people do that, they, they struggle with acknowledging where they're at right now. And then on the other side, a lot of people who are willing to acknowledge where they're at right now, sometimes they're more pessimistic, right? And they don't, they still don't see the long view. So being able to hold both of these things true at the same time, um, I, I think is so vital. And, you know, I obviously I said in my life, um, you know, I had to kind of dedicate my life to wrestling when I was 14. And it's like, dude, I wasn't very good, but it was like, so in the, in the year 2000, I said, I want to be an Olympian in 2008. And it's like, okay, if we, if we actually just, Rank is this doesn't happen, right? But if you rank everyone who's going to be eligible in 2008 to make the Olympic team, I'm like number a thousand, right? I'm I, I'm nowhere close. I'm so far down this list of you know people who could potentially make this team. And so I would have whooped, I would have whooped you in high school and then just kill me as an adult. <laughs> I would have been when uh, I peaked. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you know it's it you got to acknowledge where you're at and acknowledge your weaknesses and just never give up faith that if you keep putting in the time that you can make it to where you want to go. And so now I would even go further with that. It's like in 2007, I had, you know, a lot of college wrestling success, but then when I went to the international competition, so only, only the number one person in the country makes it to the Olympics. And so 2007 is the world championships. So, you know, the number one guy goes to the world championships uh, and essentially it's the same process every year, just in, in the off years, it's called the world championships and the on years, it's called the Olympics. And I was fifth and sixth in America. And I know that doesn't seem like very far from first, but it, in that level of competition, it's kind of a, really far away. 
So again, I had, I had to check myself and say, okay, well, I've had a lot of success in college wrestling. What, what am I struggling with right now? What am I feeling at? What do I need to get better at? And I was able to say, okay, I am struggling here. I can fix these things. I can turn around. I can make the Olympic team by next year. You know, it was less than 12 months from the day, you know, the day I lost the world team trials to then making the Olympic team less than 12 months. I can make those changes. Holy crap, man. Well, that's a, that's a really inspiring story because I think that when you look at successful athletes, many had a very similar uh, path of, of failure and having to maybe quote unquote grind it out. Like they'll say, you know, most coaches will take uh, hard work over talent any day. And so maybe you can kind of, you were, you were talking about a little bit, but distinguish between in your course, you're talking about digging in when failure strikes, when to dig in, um, yeah. when to innovate and when to pivot. And yeah. it's such an important thing because to be successful, you're going to need to dig in a lot. You're going to need to persevere. Um, and yes, so at one, at one point, is it like giving in too early, right? Because at some point you could have said, you know what, not going to make it right. And, and, you know, do you want it bad enough or do you pivot and use all those skills into something else? And, and does passion or purpose play into that at any point? Mm -hmm. Like for me, I think a big distinction is you got to really want it, you know, yeah. to work that hard, you really have to want to be able to put in the work to, you know, get to that end result or to, um, just to see what you're capable of. I think about the Socrates quote that he just says, um, um, it's a shame for a man not to see what his body's capable of or something. Mm. You know what I mean? To be how quote. strong you can be, you know, Socrates yeah. was a beast apparently. So <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, that for me is like checking out the human potential. And I think that Bruce Lee said the same thing. And that's a lot of what uh, martial arts is about, or even success in business when it's, when it's done right for the right reasons. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I remember why <laughs> I said something earlier. When I, was, I said, I was a call the other day. I couldn't remember what the call was. And I just recalled, and actually we talked about this too. It's funny because they, they didn't know about my course, but they kind of brought it up um, just out of, out of nowhere. And it was, it was, you know, they said, well, in business, what we see, cause I, you know, I, so I've owned a small business now for eight years. So we're, we're doing relatively well. They wanted me to talk to other like new entrepreneurs. And they said, you yeah, know, what we see last time is, is everyone just wants to pivot. It's like the cool thing. Let's just pivot, 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 pivot. <laughs> And, and they were complaining about it. And I'm like, yeah, you freaking nailed it. You can't, you can't pivot early on, right? You got to put that time. You got to put in the work to get anywhere. If you just keep pivoting, you're going to be stuck just going, going in a circle because you just keep pivoting the next thing before you get anywhere. And so, you know, I, I think obviously um, it has to be, it's something that has to be done at some times. But, you know, when you're early, early in your career or early in a new venture, it can be a lot of digging in. It's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of grinding it out. And then, you know, the innovate, the innovate can be something wholly new. Like I, I kind of innovated the style of wrestling with the, the scrambling I did, but it can be something simple too. It can be something to you. Like one of my buddies who owns a, he owns a spring roll company and he did a lot of live events and he had a restaurant and then obviously Corona hit and most of that stuff is done. And so it's like, okay, he could pivot and just do something different in his life. But instead, he, he innovated. And so what he did was he was able to create a kind of a frozen line and was able to sell those. And his sales is actually better than it was last year. And so it's like, you know, that was just a small innovation. It's not like he made a new product. It's not like he created a new business. It was just like he said, okay, what's my hardship? My hardship was this current of shit going on. And I, you know, I can't do all these live events that I usually do in all these markets. So how do I fix this? How do I still sell this product that's really good? And he was able to come up with a new solution. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about failure and adversity, it's a lot of digging in. It's a lot of 
you know, innovations and they can be really small. And then the pivot needs to happen once in a while. But yeah, these, these, these women who read this group the other day, they were, they were going off because they were like, yeah, it's a new cool thing. Everyone just wants to pivot constantly and, you know, they never get anywhere. Yeah, I think that I think the circle thing's a great analogy because you only go a little way and you you make a turn. Uh-huh. So if you keep doing that, it's definitely a a perfect spiral. Um, and I think that analogy is good too because, you know, if you take your example, you know, digging into wrestling, getting a you know getting to top level competition, NCAA or even Olympics, then you could transition to MMA. You know what I mean? Give MMA a a real run, get to a high level, and take like that success or that learning yeah. from getting good at something. And it really doesn't matter what it is. If you enjoy it and you're willing to work at it, it can be anything. Get really good at it. Learn how to master something because if you learn how to master that skill, you're going to acquire so much knowledge and information that you can transition into something and you've, you've gotten to a level where you earned it or you have some momentum or you have something to pivot with. You know, yeah. if you don't get to that high level, you're, you're really going to, not have anything to work with you're just going to kind of start at ground zero again well i i think it's actually really prevalent in fighting is when guys don't pivot <clears throat> and fighting is one of the sports where if you stick around too long it gets ugly i mean you could if you pay attention to mixed martial arts you can tell those guys who i mean right the worst one would be bj penn i think in his last nine fights he was one and eight um and it was just like, dude, like, why can't you go do something else? Like, this isn't for you anymore. This is a young man's game. You're not very good anymore. You're just getting your ass kicked. Like, we don't want to, we don't want to see this anymore. I think Dana White had to come to the point where it's like, I'm not going to give you any more fights. Like, no one, no one wants to see you in there anymore. It's, it's ugly. And so, you know, as fighters age or as, as athletes age, it's, it's, you need to be able to pivot into something else. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck just fighting forever. And then, you know, and then you get to the, end of the road, and and Dana White literally won't give you another fight because it's bad. And then what are you gonna do, right? Then you have nothing built for yourself. So you know, for me, like I was able to pivot into doing business and podcasting and other stuff. Um, and you know, it's something I really, a bunch of stuff that I really enjoy. And so yeah, like again, you don't want to pivot a lot, but it is important to be able to do that once in a while. Well, you know, that kind of brings up a different question I was going to ask orig- that I was going to um, ask you originally in sports. It's a common thing. Um, you know, it's a lot of times when, when athletes are done, they don't know what to do. They were kind of in one yeah. direction and this is really prevalent in NFL football. Um, mm-hmm. I was coaching a pro football player once and I asked him uh, uh, how, how accurate is ballers? You know, the show ballers. Yeah. yeah. I love that show. I was like, how accurate is ballers? Like, it's quite accurate, actually. I was ah. like, okay, cool. And so, you know, if they don't perform, they can um, they can get in all this crazy stuff. And so, they kind of need like, you know, if you're done sport, they don't know what to do. So, I guess what I want I want to ask originally, you know, what is your top tip on just mental toughness for life and how to persevere? But the second kind of question to that is, you know, for those athletes out there that you know dedicated their whole life to this one thing and, and now they don't know what to do. Um, what do you say to those, those types of people? Yeah, I, w- I would say that it is going to come to an end, right? I, I love reading athlete biographies as I was getting, uh, as I was growing up. And I think that's one of the things I realized that almost every athlete, there's been so few of them that were actually retired on time. Like the number's really, really small in any sport. And it's hard right now. I'm older and it's like, well, I, you know, I enjoyed what I did. I don't really want to retire, but you know, for, for me, it was the hip surgery. It was like, okay, you're, you're done. Like, you know, I have to get this done. Um, I think I probably would have retired e- either way, most likely, because, again, 
you know, I've read, I've read all these books, these athletes, and it's like at some time you do it. Your body only is a finite time. Nobody's undefeated against time. It's impossible, right? And, and the, uh, father time always wins. And so what are you going to do after sports? Um, and, and that's important because most guys are done. I mean, most people are done with sports by the time they're 18. There's a few that last till they're, you know, 22 when they're out of college. And there's a really tiny amount that lasts beyond that. But if you make the 30 playing pro sports, you are an anomaly, total anomaly. So, you know, it's like you need to come to this realization that you need to find something else to do. And a lot of the traits that served you well in athletics, if you use them properly, will also serve you well uh, in business in whatever you want to do in the rest of your life. Awesome, man. Love it. Well, dude, this has been a pleasure. I really enjoyed chatting. Uh, is there anything else that you want to chat about or you wish that I'd asked before we close the show? No, you know what? You asked some really awesome questions. It's, it was kind of like, um, I feel like the whole talk was about sports psych, which I think is probably my favorite topic to talk about. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And we, yeah, I was talking about my course on benaskren.com. Uh, Just go to Askren Mindset on when you click on there. Um, it's the first, hopefully the first of many. I really enjoyed putting it out there. I think I have some good, hopefully good wisdom to kind of pass forward to the generations. And uh, that's kind of it. Yeah, I had a blast. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, like I did the, the Zen Athlete book years ago. And when I first released it, and I still say it now, all the sports psychology techniques apply anywhere. You can apply yes. it to music. You can apply it to art. You can apply it to business. Um, and a lot of the time, too, and in those categories, they don't deal with the adversity or challenges that an athlete does. And so if you get those tools and capabilities and you have them and you bring them over there, you're going to perform at a higher level. And so I'm always advocating for um, any kind of mental training, any kind of mental toughness. So yes. um, to go to benaskren.com, that's where they should go to find yeah. all this stuff. And obviously I'm, I'm most, I, I don't love Instagram. I'm on there. I'm really active on Twitter. I enjoy Twitter. I enjoy the back and forth uh of it uh and so i'm quite active on twitter so you will follow it just, it's just at an asking on there yeah and you're and i think we mentioned at the beginning you're doing crypto stuff too which i find fast well, i was out of it that i'm into it so now i'm curious again so i'll check it out too yeah absolutely get back into crypto we do we do a show every monday it goes live on my day so it goes live in a few places facebook on my twitter uh love crypto i think it's i really do think it's the future that's from the bottom of my heart uh so start doing your own research everybody uh, and find the future. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you, man. And uh, we'll stay in touch. All right. Have a great day. Peace. Okay. Peace, guys. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Ben Askren. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it wherever you can, especially on Facebook because I'm not allowed there anymore. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, tag myself and Ben on Instagram. If you share it there, let us know what you think. If you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. Uh, make sure to connect with me on all the platforms. So if you go to linktree forward slash Matt Belair, there's a weird dot between the R and the ear. Uh, are in the E, um, but go to linktree forward slash Matt Belair. You're going to find the Telegram group, the Discord. Uh, make sure to sign up for the email list because censorship is real and I'm, I'm taking everything in-house. So I would love to stay in contact with you guys. Check out the Academy and, and, and support on Patreon. Leave a review if you, if you want to support the show. All those things are incredibly helpful in the age of censorship. So uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Um, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we end this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. 
and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, courage, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.